Hello everyone, welcome to Where's the News, it's Nick here starting off this episode. That's right, this is kind of weird for me too, I never get this privilege. Uh, we have two very great guests on the upcoming episode you're about to listen to. Um, I believe just John sat down with them. Uh, uh, no. No, I already messed it up. It's okay. Um, so basically what happened over the summer was the, I mean, the three of us wanted to sort of piece together something special uh, that focused strictly on COVID-related stuff. And we ended up getting to talk to some people, but not everyone that we wanted to talk to. And basically what it boiled down to were we had two interviews that we, you know, were really important to us, but we weren't sure what to do with them. So after some discussion, we've decided that we're going to put them out there just for the sake of, you know, uh, basically capturing what we went through over the past several months. Yeah, and see how far we've come in this fight or how little exactly. ground we've dragged in this fight. <laughs> so what we're going to call this, uh, this is just going to be, you know, Voices of the Virus. So we're going to name this yeah. episode. And, uh, I mean, Nick, if you want to talk about a little bit about who we talked to. Right, right. Uh, being a Pittsburgher, unfortunately, I'm not that familiar with this man's work, but I've been told that it was a very big get for us. And obviously, we're proud of any guest and appreciative of any guest that comes on. Spends a little time with us. Rick Earl from WPXI. And then Mackenzie Nicole. Um, hopefully you remember her. Uh, rising star in the music industry. Uh, comes on and talks to us as well. John, uh, if you want to give a little more detail. For sure. So, I mean, the, the main goal of talking to Mackenzie Nicole was, I mean, you, first of all, just a check-in because, I mean, COVID's crazy. Uh, firstly, especially when it first kicked off. I mean, we, we talked about it in our Break from COVID episode. And then she told us a little bit more about what the music industry was like at that time and still continues to be like today because, I mean, no one's having concerts right now. So that's a little interesting, and we will kick off into that one now. I think the first and most important question to ask is, how are you doing during quarantine? What are you up to? How are you feeling? Just overall general vibes going on right now in the world of McKenzie and Cole. Um, I'm doing, that's for sure. Um, you know, foremost, I want to say that I am healthy and employed, and that is more than a lot of us can say right now, so I am grateful. My heart goes out to anyone who doesn't have the good fortune to say that right now but that being considered um you know my big thing is always mental health lately it seems and mine hasn't been doing great while we've been in quarantine um i need a little bit more i don't do well with change i don't think anyone does well with change unless it's change they get to control you know and no one got to control this so I think I'm one of many when I say that this took a uh, took a little bit of a toll on my brain a little. But overall, um, the biggest adjustment, I think, for us has been being in the music industry. You know, I was supposed to be on a six-week tour. I got to perform one date and then got sent home because of COVID-19. So <laughs> that things like that are hard. Um, the only money really in music, this isn't a big secret, is in merchandise and touring. And right now, being unable to perform that half that function that makes up most of our profit, you know, industry wide, is forcing people to really think outside the box and be really creative with 
how we're going to survive. You know, there are a lot of acts who won't, and that's scary. And so just trying to figure out a way to survive ourselves, survive myself, and support um, others right now, especially fellow artists who I know are also struggling, has been pretty much what I'm doing to keep my mind busy. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Right. So you sort of touched on a, a lot of personal challenges as well as challenges in your industry and, you know, in your career. So how have you guys gone and you personally gone about persevering through those challenges that are unique to our current time? So when it comes to my personal life, um, I started talking to my therapist twice a week instead of once a week. Um, so that's been big because um, a big part of this for me personally um, is I don't do well without – like I'm not – I'm shy, but I still have to see people and go places. More than anything, I have to be able to go places because driving keeps my brain busy, you know, being in a coffee shop, hearing, you know – noises around me that aren't just my house settling like keeps my brain busy so not being able to like do my drive to work or drive to the coffee shop go pick up groceries whenever like that's really I didn't realize how mentally taxing it would be I already had like a pretty bad manic and then depressive episode um early on like a month ago um but like a few weeks into this whole situation and then uh, I'm still kind of digging my way up from being on the lower end of that. So I realized that, hey, I think I need to up my therapy a little bit, not just particularly because of what has been caused by the quarantine, but what has come to light because of the time I've had to self-reflect. I want to be specific about that. So that's been one personal massive change um, that I think has been for the better, at least, and how I've been coping. Um, but in terms of professionally coping, like how do we compensate for the outreach that we lost not being able to go on a six-week tour? My label mates were supposed to go on a spring tour. They couldn't go. They're saying that concerts might not be a thing till next year, till late next year. It's scary. And so there are a few ways in which we're trying to figure out how to bridge that gap. First of all, being more engaged with our listeners and viewers via social media, which is the only way we can really engage with people right now, has been huge. Um, whether that means turning out different types of content, figuring out how we create new content without an entire video crew or an entire audio crew around us, um, figuring out, you know, hey, what music can we perform from the comfort of our bedrooms? Like, And then for those of us who are less, like, there are people who are super DIY who are still making music right now because they do it all from their laptop in their bedroom. For those of us who aren't, you know, that type of musician, how can we prep for when we can get in the studio to maximize the effectiveness of that time? Since right now we all are losing studio time. I probably would have been well into my next project by now if not finished with it because I'm a fast recorder and I obviously haven't done that so that kind of puts me behind mentally you know so there are a lot of things right now that we're trying to do to compensate and I guess I wish I could give a more specific better answer right now but we're kind of fumbling like everyone in the industry is fumbling and if anyone seems like they have together and adjusting well I challenge them and I believe they're a liar <laughs> <laughs> because no one knows what's happening right now. This is unprecedented. 
Um, like you said, there's been no blueprint for this. There's not even been a vague crowd construction paper instruction manual left behind. You know, there's nothing. And so I think um, for us non-essential, quote-unquote, entertainers, <laughs> it's it's a weird learning period right now. Right. And it's it's definitely difficult to judge, I think, in all aspects as to what's going to happen next because of how fluid the situation is based off of what you're saying. So that leads me to want to ask, what are your hopes for what's going to come next? It's hard to judge exactly what you think, May, but what are you hoping for? Um, A huge thing I'm hoping for actually stems from something I'm doing right now. So every Wednesday at 7 p.m., almost every Wednesday at 7 p.m., I've been going live on Instagram and doing like a little series of lives that I've, you know, very aptly named Quarantine Sucks. And I kind of have been talking to my listeners and viewers. I've been like, hey, like, if you want a space to kind of bitch, I'm sorry, my last day, I'm sorry, kind of rant about um, whatever is happening right now and kind of just vent your feelings and talk to other people who are also quarantined and upset about it. Talk about how your mental health is doing. Talk about how how are you doing since you lost your job? How are you doing now that your finances have been cut in half? Like, whatever it is that's affecting you. And it has kind of become like a big room where we all talk about, like, sit in a circle and talk about the current situation at hand. I've had some really incredible guests on there from organizations like Bring Change to Mind or Check Your Head Podcast who have discussed what quarantine looks like for them and also um, mental health and context of all this because right now, like, I hate to say it, but one of the one of the things we know is happening and will continue to happen is due to not only the pandemic itself but all the effects such as the economic recession and things like that, you know, mental health and wellness is going to take a huge hit mental illness due to isolation is going to really rear its head. People who have never suffered from things like depression before are going to unfortunately suffer. Suicide rates are very, very sadly going to go up. And so I'm hoping that the spike in mental wellness and health and illness activity, for better or for worse, that spike, um, I hope it encourages people to talk about it a little more. You know what I mean? Like I hope that realizing like, wow, all this universal collective consciousness that is our mental, you know, mental bodies as humans is being really, really affected right now. And if we don't talk about it, we're going to implode. So, like, let's continue that conversation, expand on that conversation that's presently happening and make it a household thing, make it a socially acceptable thing, and make ourselves more aware of how our – we know how our bodies react to things like this, but make ourselves more aware of how our minds react to it. And I believe personally that being more mentally, you know, self-aware leads to a better quality of life. So I'm hoping that this initial negative of the hit is going to take on all of our mental health turns around and makes us more self-aware and more mental health positive and willing to reach out to others. And last thing I'll say on this is, like, my favorite thing I've seen come of this so far is people actually answering honestly, to how are you doing? Because I've had so many work calls where the, you know the greeting. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are the kids in school? You know, like, you know that typical greeting. Well, now it's, hey, how are you? 
oh my god my so-and-so lost their job but i'll tell you like at least the kids get to stay home like blah, blah, blah. and it's a whole conversation so now i could actually tell you how my coworkers are doing how my friends are doing because no one's lying and saying they're fine anymore like everyone because everyone's doing poorly pretty much everyone's okay with saying i'm doing poorly or everyone's struggling everyone's okay with saying i'm struggling even if they're not i should say explicitly doing poorly um so i hope we keep that honesty and i hope we keep that availability to each other you know because i think that's a really beautiful human thing i agree and i think that overall it's it's very important to consider that factor going on right now like the economy is a huge topic and when things will go back to normal is a huge topic but naturally just being at home and not having much to do plays that huge role on mental health and i'm glad you brought it to light that was one thing that i certainly want to discuss through all this so i appreciate that um and i guess to just sort of wrap up is there anything that you would like to say to anyone going through similar challenges or even just in general um, that you would like to share, uh, an overall message or perhaps a story, anything that you just want to say? All right. So just a couple things. I'm a talker, and you know that by now, so shut me up whenever <laughs> you need to. But You're good. So the first thing I want to say is that the only way out is through, and I know that's cliche and very cheesy, but it's true, and it's universally true, and one of the only things that, in my life at least, has always stood to be true um right now there's no way to skip or fast forward whatever this is whatever we're going through this quarantine this virus etc um we just got to weather the storm and just got to see it to the end and there will be an end it feels like there won't be but there will be it always feels like there's something you know everything feels impossible till it's done everything feels endless till it ends but um, just a few more tactile pieces of advice. Um, you know, like I said, my, I'm super mental health conscious. And if you find yourself struggling right now, um, I just want to encourage you to do a few things. First of all, like reach out to the people around you because I guarantee that your friends, your family are feeling very similar, if not the same, because we're all kind of feeling it right now. If that's not an option to you, if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to the people in your immediate life, um, there are a lot of amazing resources online over the phone that you can take advantage of um, that aren't just, you know, that are anonymous, that give you the ability to have a safe space to vent your feelings um, or receive help. There is, in Extreme Cases, National Suicide Prevention Hotline that I do not have memorized, but you can definitely look up and like literally type in national suicide prevention hotline it'll be the first thing that pops up it's also listed under every mental health resource i apologize for not having it memorized that's my bad but um also like to write love on her arms is an amazing organization they have a resources page that is extremely long and extremely specific for all sorts of things um, mental health related so those are just a few things i want to encourage right now because i know that a lot of people have this immediate well medication is is too expensive for me right now or therapy isn't an option it's too expensive or i can't go in to see a therapist and get my first appointment under my belt you know those are all really great options um and free if not like resources that you can stay anonymous if you want um they're not they're also you know non-anonymous 
um, not free resources if you want to look into those too. Um, but I just encourage you to really look at your options that are available to you because thankfully technology, you know, you have a lot to be your, a tip of your fingers. And so, uh, you know, just take advantage of it because right now we're going to have to be creative for a little while. So that's, that's my two cents is, uh, just the only way out is through and get help where you need help and we all kind of need help. So. Right. I want to thank you for coming on and great to hear from you. You know, I genuinely wish you the best throughout the rest of this quarantine. And if there's anything else, let us know. Awesome. Thank you so much, honey. You take care of yourself. Another thank you to uh, Mackenzie Nicole. I mean, she's she's been a big help on the podcast. Nick, I'd say she's like a, a where's the news hero. She she is a hero. I mean, I think she might be younger than me and Garrett. That might yeah. be wrong. I think you're right. But like to have someone in the music industry at that young always bring their perspective into it is always very interesting to me. And anyone in the music industry in general is really interesting to me, being someone who's like tried to write music before. Uh, so obviously very appreciative of her to come on and kind of talk about her life right now. Um, I have a feeling she's going to be on like every couple months at this rate. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to have her back on again. We'll see what happens though. It's just going to, it's just going to be a matter of time. Um, I also think her perspective on mental health, which she talks about in that interview is also particularly interesting. So yeah, definitely a voice that we wanted to be heard from the virus and I guess now we'll transition over to our next interview with Rick Earl. As Nick mentioned earlier, he's from WPXI, which is a news station in Pittsburgh. And I mean, as journalists, we wanted to, yeah, I mean, we were having a hard time transitioning uh, to like continue to be active as student journalists. So we were wondering, you know, how are professionals covering this? I mean, Nick, sports changed for you? I think, yeah, definitely. I think the sense that, in terms of our amuse sports, we can't even get in contact with people right now because they're trying to keep it so low pri- uh, profile and keep the exposure of their athletes with other people low as well. Um, and I think that might be the case for maybe even like another year or so, but hopefully that's not uh, what ends up happening. But definitely, I think sports, a bigger thing with sports is now that it used to be just the thing to do where you had anybody from all these media outlets come in and let them talk to people after games, before games. Now it's kind of in-house, just bigger networks too. Who's to say they're ever going to give the other uh, outlets a, the privilege of covering things the way they had been covering them since the beginning of time ever again? Right. And, I mean, as we continue to figure it out now, one of the bigger things was figuring it out then. I mean, they had to get their feet on the ground and running. And uh, we'll, we'll toss it over to that Rick Earl interview right now to take a deeper look into that. So joining us today, we have Rick Earl, who is a reporter for WPXI, a Pittsburgh-stationed news source, and he's going to sort of talk to us today about how journalism has changed. We're going to ask him some questions about 
uh, what things have been like for him in the midst of the pandemic, and some steps that are being made to sort of get things back to usual as we're seeing Pennsylvania transition back to somewhat of a normal state. Garrett is with me today. Garrett, hello. Hello. And then, of course, we have Rick. Rick, how are you today? I'm great. It's glad to be glad to be with you guys on this uh, fine afternoon here in Western Pennsylvania. Good to be here. <laughs> be here in a sense, right? Like, <laughs> absolutely, all, absolutely. We got it. Um, so Rick, <laughs> yes, sir. Guess, yes, sir. I guess we're just going to start uh, sort of basic. I want to ask, what were things like for you when this all sort of started coming our way? And what was the transition in your job like? What did you have to change? What were operations like as this continued to become more and more regulated? Yeah, I mean, it, it was really it was crazy because uh, actually I was interviewing the public safety director for the city of Pittsburgh the other day, and he um, jogged my memory a little bit about uh, when we began covering this and how this all started. And I think it was in late January. He and I actually did an interview talking about the coronavirus. And at that point, man, it seemed so far off and so far away. And he said, he said, Rick, do you remember you and I talked about this? We did a whole interview in a segment you did on January 28th. And lo and behold, um, what, uh, about two months later, uh, you know, this area is just, you know, we, we dove right into the coverage then and everything started happening just real quickly in terms of the virus spreading and, you know, really close to home here. And I think it was, it was really that March 15th, that St. Patrick's Day parade, that was the first big cancellation in our area when the mayor of Pittsburgh decided to cancel the St. Patrick's Day, the St. Patrick's parade. And um, that kind of started it all off, and that started a, a, a chain reaction of events that just kept uh, escalating from that point. And then subsequently, I think it was a, a week or so later, the governor announced the stay-at-home orders for Allegheny County and then a number of other counties in western Pennsylvania followed suit. And um, it was really interesting in terms of covering the news, how we adapted and changed our style. Um, initially, um, we, you know, I think we were like a lot of people were like, okay, how do we do this? And uh, then when the governor issued the stay-at-home order, that really, uh, you know, made it made it real for all of us in the news business. And we developed a plan at Channel 11, um, and and we developed a plan to basically. Um, make most of our uh, employees work from home and it was easier for the for the sales people and the traffic people and promotions people it was a little easier i think for them to uh just stay at home and work uh, because they could do it via computers but for people who actually go in and cover news and go in and get interviews it may it's a lot more difficult so what we did you know the reporters and the photographers we had to we we continued to do our job but we made a decision at our station that we would um the reporters and photographers would be quarantined or self-isolated in the garage at our station. So we actually, the, the, the uh, some of our workers, some of our employees there, um, set up a, a really neat system where they cordoned off the entire garage area. We have a really huge garage area. It's like seven bays, and they go, you know, they're as high as 60 feet because you can put up a, a microwave truck mask in there and work on it. So it's a really big, expansive area. And they set that up. They put up tables and computers and chairs out there and kept them pretty far apart, but they allowed the reporters and photographers who were going out on a daily basis and covering news to basically work out of that garage area. They they cordoned it all off. They put up plastic sheets, and they isolated that area from the main station, and uh, the reporters and photographers worked out of there, and that's where they're still working out of now. 
uh, since the end of March and currently still working out of there. Now, there were a few anchors and a couple reporters and photographers who were allowed to come into the main station. I've been one of them. I've been reporting every day. Um, but I do – typically, I don't go out to cover news, and that's really been the big change. And I think even a lot of the reporters who were going out to cover news were using this as well, and that's the um, – that's Zoom and Facebook and uh, FaceTime and uh, Skype interviews and Microsoft Teams. We've really relied on that to do interviews. And that's how um, many of the politicians, many of the governor and the, the mayor and the county executive, that's how they've been holding news conferences as well, Zoom or Microsoft Teams. So that's kind of revolutionized news gathering. I come into the office, and I'll go in every day. I'll sit down at my computer or I'll sit down at the computer back in editing and I'll do these interviews via Zoom or Skype or um, Facebook Messenger. And uh, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we do these interviews and then you know, I'll write a story. and We may have a photographer on the outside go out and get some B-roll to cover the piece. Uh, and then, then we'll put the story together. But it's, it's interesting because we've taken all the precautions. I mean, we do social distancing. Um, even the reporters include it as well. Them actually, when this initially started, weren't going out. They were using their computers and doing Zoom interviews. But now they're starting to go out and interview people, interview business owners, or, uh, people um, out in the community. And when they do the interviews, though, they take a uh, a boom mic, which is a you know typically we have the mic in our hand and we go up and interview people, and we're you know less than a foot away from them most times or close proximity. But now we have these boom mics. We're you know six seven six seven feet away and we ask questions, so it's interesting and and most of the time a lot of times the reporters are wearing masks and we have uh, access to all this you know the the masks and the sanitizer and it's really just changed the way we gather news and it's made it a little more difficult but um, we've we've kind of we've really adapted I think pretty well in terms of how we do it and um, I mean there's a few key people at the station that have to be there and they have you know they have to you have to have somebody technical switching board to to punch all the buttons for the newscast. You can at least one anchor there. I think we've had one or two there. And a lot of anchors that we've we have them working at home now. They're doing the newscast at home. They have a little mini studio set up in the living rooms or the dining rooms or their kitchens. And they we we took them the you know the live view has revolutionized T V news and that's how we broadcast live it's a, it's a little pack which has about seven or eight, six or seven cell phones in it. And to broadcast audio and video. So we take these live view units to, these, to the owners' homes and set them up. And most of them have a teleprompter, too. They can look through the teleprompter with the computer. There's a little teleprompter they have. And they've been able to anchor the news from their homes. We have our weather forecasters doing the weather forecast from their homes as well. So it's uh, it's amazing. I'm amazed at how few people we have at the station and how we can continue to put on seven or eight hours of news every day. It's just really remarkable and amazing how we've been able to adapt and you know, we've, we've faced the challenge head on, and I, so I hope we, you know, continue to do a good job because I think it's critically important, you know, to bring people the information they need and use, especially when you're, you're, you're at a time like, like this where, frankly, it's a matter of life and death for some people. Fortunately, we've been lucky here in western Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area. We haven't seen an explosion of COVID-19 cases. We've been lucky, you know, but in places like New York City, you know, it's just been uh, it's been devastating. So, but I think people still need the information, and hopefully we've been able to to bring them that information. So, you know, I mean, that's a long-winded answer there, but really, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's really changed the way we do business now. Hopefully, we'll go back to going out and doing interviews with people and 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 uh, you know, getting video like that. But in the meantime, you know, we're relegated to 
you know, you know, social distancing and all those new terms that we're hearing about sanitizing and social distancing and things like that. So that's, that's pretty much sums up the changes that we've had to make as an industry and a business to, uh, to, you know, deliver the news to the people of Western Pennsylvania. Right. Uh, so Rick, I mean, you, you mentioned all these adaptations that you guys have made in order to keep the news coming. And I was sort of wondering how you felt that these adaptations may impact the field moving forward. When this is all said and done, do you think that this is going to change the way that we do news? You know, that's a really good question. It's a question I've debated with my colleagues as well. Um, I think there will be some things that we um, use going forward, but I think we'll go back to the old way. The, the, the new thing is that, you know, a lot of times we, even in the past when we do say, for instance, a story that's a local story, but we want a um, national, we want some national input on it. A lot of times we'll call that person and we'll either get them on the phone and use the audio from that person or else we'll just talk to them and get a quote from that person and use that quote in the story. But I think now with the prevalence of things like Zoom, which I got to tell you, man, I had, you know, two months ago, I had no idea what Zoom even was, <laughs> you know, and now it's, now it's been a savior to, to me. So I think now we'll, we'll, We'll be able to easily access people, you know, say in California or across the world now to to uh, localize stories with national or international interviews. So I think that's one thing that'll that will change. Um, in terms of other things, you know, I got to tell you this: the, 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 one of the other interesting aspects is that um, we a lot of times you'll see in TV news reports um, we rely heavily on um, MOS interviews, which is basically the man on the street interview. You know, we like to. You know, there's always been this push to see how it impacts people, see how the story affects people, see how it impacts people. So they always want to talk to the man on the street to get the person's impact. But we haven't, we haven't really done those for the past two months now since this happened because we're, I think a lot of the reporters were concerned. We were concerned about our safety and about, you know, just approaching random people when you don't know, frankly, anything about them. And, um, so we, we kind of, straight away from that from doing those MOS interviews. Now we'll do we'll set up interviews like for instance I did an interview last week with the public safety director and that was the first, one of the first times I've been out of the building in the last two months. And I met him, you know, we set that up and I met him downtown at the city county building and he came out. Of course we stayed six or seven feet apart and you know I had my microphone on a on a uh, it's actually on a, a old hockey stick that one of my photographers had rigged up this little boom microphone phone on the end of his hockey stick. So uh he, 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 the photographer really adapted uniquely there, and I held the hockey stick out and, and you know, did the interview. So, um, um, but in terms of man on the street interviews, we've really gotten away from doing those. It'll probably come back as things relax and as the, um, you know, as the, uh, I think as, as the virus, uh, you know, subsides or if there's a vaccine, that'll even make it, you know, easier for more people to go out and feel more comfortable going out as well. Right. And I think sort of looking at all these adaptations, I mean, the hockey stick included, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that it demonstrates sort of how important it is that we continue to report the news that you guys are delivering the information that the public needs. So I wanted to ask you, what's your opinion on the media's role in this time? Yeah, it's, I, you know, I think we've, I think, you know, the local stations, um, do a pretty good job in delivering the news objectively and 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 fairly and balanced. Um, you know, it's it's crazy in this day and age of social media and 
everybody's got a pulpit with Twitter and Facebook. I mean, a lot of times I think, you know, people are just inundated with information and they really don't know who to believe or what to believe this day and age. And I know when you talk about network newscasts, you know, there's, you know, you have the, you know, you have the, the, the liberal bias on some sides and you have the conservative bias on other sides. I mean, it's just crazy. But I think on a local level, I don't really think that comes into play. I think we just deliver the news. We present the facts and hopefully, you know, the people um, will, will, you know, listen and, and realize that we're delivering news that, you know, is objective and unbiased and critically important to them as well in terms of, um, you know, their survival, especially at this time, you know. I mean, it, it's really important to get the information out there. I think we've been doing that for a, uh, you know, the last couple of months is getting critical information out there to people who really need it. So, Rick, what would you consider to be the most critical information that the public needs to hear uh, during the pandemic? Well, I think it's probably probably the information from our, our uh, leaders, from our state officials and our state leaders. I think that's probably the information that's really critical. And then, again, the information from the health leaders, the public health officials, and also the officials from UPMC and AHN. You know, we've got a great health network here in western Pennsylvania, and they've done a fantastic job through this entire uh coronavirus ordeal and i think that information you've seen upmc's had a weekly news conference and it's really important i think to get that information out to the public and as well as the governor he's had a uh, i believe he's had a news conference every week uh, every day frankly i think he talks to the media really pretty much every day the allegheny county executive he's he's done a news conference every wednesday afternoon with with updates the mayor's done some occasional news conference and updates. So I think that's all critically important information to get out there, especially when you have orders from the governor you know, during a time of emergency. And, I, I mean, you know, whether you agree with him or not, you know, he's, he's issues these orders, and I, you know, I, I believe that's probably to protect the health and safety and welfare of the residents of Pennsylvania. I know, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of upset people about it. You know, it's been a difficult time, and I, I frankly understand that, too. I mean, it's really – I know some people really want to get back to work. You know, others say it's too soon. Others say we got to get back now. But, you know, you, you, I think you just got to listen to the uh, people who are in charge. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's, I agree. I think this is the most important information to relay. However, some people are, are skeptical. And as journalists, at least for me and Garrett, this is something that interests me is we're sort of seeing – particularly on social media, a lot of people saying, well, the media is getting it wrong. There are X amount of cases and they're reporting this amount. And knowing how there's so much going on and communicating is a lot harder, is there a way that you can elaborate on sort of why these things are happening? Is is the media to blame? Is it something along the line on the medical standpoint? Do we know how that information is getting mixed up? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, like I said, with, with social media, I mean, every, you know, it's, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you don't, like I said, you don't know who or what to believe. But I mean, I, you know, you listen, I mean, we present the, the numbers and the data. And I think what, what's happened, and, you know, I'm just, this is conjecture on my part. Um, but I think the, you know, the, the leaders, the state and local leaders are relying on, um, they use a lot with computer algorithms these days, and I think they use a lot of these algorithm, algorithms and these, this data research methods. And 
Um, they've done some stuff with CMU, and they look at they look at the the forecast and the predictions through these algorithms and these models. And I think that really concerned and alarmed them. And I think that was one of the driving forces behind behind this. And you look, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the numbers are nationwide in terms of deaths, but I mean, in the last three or four months, there's been quite a few deaths in a short period of time. So you know, while it hasn't impacted us here in Western Pennsylvania as harshly as other parts of the country. And while it does appear to be a disease that impacts the elderly uh, and targets the elderly, you know, much more severe than any population uh, of people, I mean, those are things I think it was a little unknown when we went into this. And I think, uh, frankly, the leaders were scared and frightened about it and concerned that, hey, if we don't take these actions, you know, we might have a, we might have a devastating <laughs> virus on our hands. So, you know, was there some overreaction? Who knows? You know, we'll, you know, history will, <laughs> history will determine that. Um, you know, I can just gauge, you know, what, what we're told by the people, you know, we vote to lead the country. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamics because, I mean, I've thought that same way. You know, sometimes I feel, you know, maybe we did too much. You know, maybe we, we, we didn't need to do all this. Who knows? You know, I don't, I don't know. I think that's uh, maybe it's too soon to tell at this point. Right. I think I haven't looked at it that way. I think it's important to consider that this isn't all revealed at once. I think that it's important to right. consider looking back on it like this. Um, I want to give Garrett mm-hmm. a chance to ask any questions, if he has any sure. um, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Garrett, is there anything you're thinking? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we've kind of seen – both locally and nationally, is kind of a politicization of, like, the coronavirus and how the spread of it and, like, headlines are saying that, oh, it's, you know, one party's fault that something isn't happening, the other party is something else. Uh, What do you think the, like, fairest way to report on that is? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, you probably just report both sides of the issue, you know, I mean, and I think that's what we've done too. We've reported, you know, on the the protests, you know, the protest in Harrisburg, and there's been some protests in Pittsburgh as well. And um, we've interviewed those folks as well and presented their arguments and their side. And I mean, with the issue in um, Beaver County as well, that was a local issue here. I mean, I, you know, they're not going to the yellow phase until next Friday, but I think they, a lot of the the uh, leaders in Beaver County. Um, said, hey, we're, we're, we're gonna, um, we're not gonna adhere to the governor's order. We're gonna go to, uh, yellow this, uh, just this past week. So, and I, I, you know, we covered that too and we presented that as well. Um, and then you have the governor, you know, um, um, presenting his side of the, of the argument and we tried to, uh, you know, we, we report that as well. The other thing I will tell you that it's been a little bit more difficult in this day and age with these, uh, all of these Zoom and satellite and Skype interviews is that we were not there in the room to ask questions directly. So that makes it much more challenging for a reporter. We have to submit questions most of the times um, to the governor's news conference. And um, so, you know, that can get to a point where they can pick and choose questions. And I don't know how they do that. I don't know if they take them in the order they came or if they just pick and choose questions. But that's a little bit more difficult when you're when you're a reporter and you're used to being in the room and used to questioning um, a subject at a news conference and you can, you know, freely ask the questions and there's some interaction at play. So it makes it a lot more difficult to do that because you can't follow up on a question and so forth. And that's, that's been the same, you know, with the, um, 
Allegheny County Executive, too. You know, we have to submit those questions, and they read the questions as well. Um, I've done some interviews with the mayor, and, you know, of course, he'll he'll take the questions over Zoom or Microsoft Teams. So that's another thing that makes it a little bit more difficult to cover, a little bit more challenging as well. Right. That makes sense. I mean, obviously, the one thing we're taught in school is the most important thing is, you know, to stay fair in our reporting. So right. it's, it's, it's interesting to hear. Um, sort of. Yeah, I think going, as long as you, as long as you're fair and balanced and present both sides, I mean, it's funny. I go out when I, I do a lot of investigative reporting. So that's, that's a little bit more challenging and, and diff, difficult too. And I always tell people when I go into a story, I said, look, you know, I realize there are three sides to every story. You know, there's your side, there's the other side, and the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Right. That's, that's definitely something to consider. I, I, I like that. <laughs> I might have to carry that one yeah, with me. Yeah. So our <laughs> other host, uh, Nick Hatterick, is unable to join us today, but he's our sports guy. And I'm not sure how much mm-hmm. you, you may know about this, but I was curious if you could bring any information on what WPXI has been doing in terms of sports reporting, considering there's not much going on right now. Man, that's a great question, too. I, and I'm a big sports fan, you know. I, I love sports. and it's, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. I said, man, I can't believe it. I, I haven't really missed sports as much as I thought I would, you know. But I'm sure when it comes back, I'll dive right into it. But I, I seem to, you know, I, I go, it's funny, it's like every day is like Groundhog Day now. You know, you go to, I go to work, do the same thing, cover the same story, come home. I come home, maybe go out for a walk or a run, and then I sit down and eat dinner uh, with my family. And then I sit down and watch like Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or Disney or something like that. And, you know, I've really caught up on movies and series um, in, in this pandemic. So it, it's funny because, uh I, I, you know, I, I was telling my colleagues the other day, I said, I haven't really missed sports, but I'm sure when it comes back, I'll, I'll, I'll be so excited. You know, I know there's some NASCAR coming back and some golf coming back, but our sports people have really, I guess they've still been covering. I, and it's funny because I, I really haven't watched much of the sports coverage, but I see we have our sports reporters and anchor, our, one of our reporters is in there and our producers in there. And then our sports anchor, Albie Oxenreiter, he's been doing his uh, sports report from home. And I know they've been covering some things. I know they were excited about the draft when they did the virtual NFL draft, and they had a big virtual NFL draft show that went off pretty well. And they still do their sports talk shows, I think, on the weekend. And, um, you know, they're still, they're still plugging away, man, just trying to cover whatever they can. I know it, I know it must be a difficult and a challenge for those guys, but you know, they, they go so crazy during the whole year, man. This is probably, you know, in some respects, it's probably nice for a little break for them because they're so busy with the, uh, with the appetite and the zest for sports in this town, I mean, it's, you know, it's, cra- it's a crazy sports town, and those sports people, they work they work really hard, you know, all year long. You know, you think they get a break, but, you know, it goes from the, you know, it goes from the Penguins to the Pirates and right into the Steelers, man, and they're just cruising all along. And, you know, they were gearing up for big Olympic coverage as well this year, and that won't happen. Uh, it's been delayed till, till later. Of course, it was supposed to be in August, I believe, but it's been pushed uh, pushed back now. So they're going to have a little bit more of an extended break. But, I, you know, I would think they're probably uh, gearing up for the Penguins to restart sometime and the Pirates and then the NFL season, too. So I know they've been just, just kind of plugging away, like all of us, just trying to trying to make it through the day. It's crazy to see the perseverance of this in all aspects. I mean, I don't yeah, think that it, re- it really is, man. That's, yeah, and that's what I was telling um, it, it, it kind of gets, you know, I mean, you know, when we go in there every day and do those duty stories and these interviews and stuff, it's just, 
you know, every, every day it's kind of the same old thing. And I said, you know, we just got to, I just, you know, I was talking to some colleagues. I said, we just got to, we just got to put the news on TV, man. Just keep feeding the, feeding the TV and, you know, we'll get through this. And I said, you know, we're playing a pretty important role now because everybody needs information. So, you know, there's a lot of people watching and listening, you know, for what, what to do and where to go. So, so a pretty important time, I think, for the media. Right. So, Rick, I was thinking as we watch Pennsylvania reopen, um, I feel like it's impossible to not think of everything going back to normal. So I was wondering if there's anything that WPXI or you personally are doing to prepare for things to go back to normal, or is this something that's way too far in the future for you guys? Yeah, I, you know what? I think we, I think we as a company, um, we're owned by uh, the CMG Cox Media Group, and they have a, a they have a, a number of radio stations and TV stations across the country, and um, they have issued a stay-at-home order for all employees, um, for all non-essential employees until uh, June 1st. So I know at least until June 1st, um, we're going to be at, you know, really uh, – yeah, i, I got to tell you, in our building, I think we typically have 150 to 200 people in our building. I think there's probably 25 or 30 on a good day, maybe. So it's really – our, our staff is really depleted. Everybody else is working from home. And like I said, we're taking all the precautions. I mean, we have masks, we have sanitizer, we have gloves, uh, we have the uh, station cordoned off. One of our studios has just been shut, you know, we just shut it down completely until we reopen. So I don't know what the future looks like. It's funny because I go in every day and I'm like, okay, we're close to getting back to normal. And then, you know, I talk to people and I'm like, no, we're not close to getting back to normal. I think there's some apprehension about bringing people back, how many people do you bring back, when do you bring them back, you don't want too many people. So, you know, again, I think it, it'll all depend on the numbers. If we see a spike in cases, there may be a delay again in terms of getting people back. If we don't, the numbers stay down, perhaps we'll get more people coming back and things will be, you know, closer to a return to normal. But I don't think it's ever going to return to real normalcy until we get a virus, I mean, a vaccine for the virus. I, I don't think that day can come soon enough. Um, I just want to toss it over to <laughs> I hear you. I agree with you, man. <laughs> um, Garrett, if there's anything else you'd like to add, feel free. Um, if not, Rick, if there's anything you'd like to say that we didn't touch upon, I would love to hear it. Well, I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you guys and to say about the, you know, the job we're trying to do and how we're trying to serve the, uh, the viewers and the residents of Western Pennsylvania. And, um, Hopefully, uh, hopefully they appreciate the information that we're delivering to them on a daily basis. And, you know, we'll continue to try our best to, you know, bring them the facts, you know, just the facts, man. You know, that's what we try to do. And hopefully, uh, you know, they can rely on us to uh, get their information, the critical information to stay safe. So. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on today, Rick. You can find him on WPXI. I believe that's Channel 11 for most of us. And uh, I think that's about everything, Rick. Thank you. Take care. Just want to put in one more thank you to Rick for his time that he gave us this summer. And, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, this project didn't come out exactly the way we wanted it to. But I'm really grateful for both of those people that we got the opportunity to hear from, especially during such a unique time in our lives. And we hope you enjoyed hearing these, you know, different perspectives on some various different topics. 
and we hope you enjoyed a, a little bit of a different episode, um, just a different format to try out. Stay safe, and we'll see you in the next episode.